Well, that was the longest lesson, I think. No, <laughs> we'll hear from the Ten Commandments. No. Um, so I... And for those of you I haven't met yet, my name's Steph. Um, I'm excited to be able to be here tonight as we continue on in our sermon series of the Ten Commandments. That's what we'll be doing throughout Lent. If you want to hear all Ten Commandments, you need to come Wednesday and Sunday because they are different throughout Lent. So um, tonight we're going to be talking about do not murder. And before I launch in, I want to address something quick. And maybe it has been addressed uh, when you heard about the Ten Commandments before, but we are going to be talking about the Fifth Commandment today, which is do not murder. And some of you might be saying, well, no, I saw a poster that said it was the Sixth Commandment. What is going on? Well, let me address that, because that is, uh, that is a question I'm sure some of you have. Um, so how it works is there are different ways that the Ten Commandments are numbered, and we are following Luther's catechism. We're following what Martin Luther laid out in the catechism for the number order of the commandments. So in his ordering, the first two commandments that you would normally see on, um, on a poster are combined. So you shall have no other gods before me also has like the you shall have no other idols wrapped into it. And then the, the last two commandments, the coveting commandments, are don't covet uh, your, your neighbor's stuff and don't covet other people. You know? So those two are split, and then the first two are combined. So this happened way back, long ago, um, even before Luther, and Luther just adopted um, the number order that was already there in one tradition. So we're following the catechism because Lutherans, Martin Luther, we're going to follow that number order. But to be clear, there is no number order in the Bible. Not in Deuteronomy, not in Exodus, where they're listed. Nowhere are they listed in a number order. It's the principles, the commandments themselves, that we're going to focus on. And those are the things that we should commit to memory rather than the numbers. The numbers are human-made. The commandments are god ordained. So that's where we're going with that. So we are going to talk about the fifth commandment today, which is do not murder. Like I said, longest lesson ever. So let's start with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for today and for um, this message and for every individual in the room. Uh, Lord, I pray that you have a word for us tonight that we would be able to receive it um, as you intend it for us, that we would have ears to hear and that all else falls away. Amen. Have you guys ever been angry? Ooh, I heard some yeses. So I was sitting in my living room last night, as, um, as I do sometimes, and I have, I have um, my husband was sitting in there, and it had been a long day of work for him, but it had been a long day for me. Our dog is there. Um, my two boys are doing whatever they're doing in the house, and my husband grabbed some Triscuit crackers, and he was eating them in the living room. And I was trying to concentrate on something, um, <laughs> And I don't know if any of the rest of you have this, and it's really worse for me, for my family, than it is for anybody else. Um, but I can hear my husband or my children chewing something three rooms away, especially if I'm trying to concentrate on something. And I'm, I know that he's had a hard day at work, and I know that he's just trying to relax 
with a Triscuit cracker, and I am about to lose my mind sitting 10 feet away from him because I'm just like, don't say anything. And I keep typing, and then it's like, and he keeps chewing, and I'm like, don't say anything. <laughs> but I feel this anger start to rise up in me, and it almost comes out of my mouth in the form of possibly hurtful words. Instead, my husband and I have been married for almost 20 years, so he knows this about me. And I, sitting across the room, I just went, and he looks at the dog to completely diffuse the situation and goes, mom thinks you're chewing too loud. <laughs> so isn't that great? So he got to speak life into a situation where I could have said something really hurtful. Have you guys ever been in a situation like that where you just were angry and something was going on in your life and you really you wanted to be quiet, but maybe you weren't? Like I imagine each of you had things today even that were frustrating. We all, right, went from thing to thing to thing, from work to family to dinner to get out of the house to why is this guy going so slow in front of me? We all have things that frustrate us in our lives, and maybe even just today. Have you ever, though, like lost your temper and yelled at someone? Or said something hurtful or, or withheld forgiveness? Show of hands if you've been angry. Oh, thank you for being honest. And for the rest of you, we will talk about the other commandment about lying <laughs> in, you know, in the future here. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but we all, this is a, like a human emotion, right? Anger is a human emotion. But what do we do with it? How do we, how do we deal with this? Because sometimes we can have anger, but we have self-control, and it doesn't come out of our mouth and do hurtful things, right? But that also means that our attitude is not necessarily matching our actions. And... Our attitude, honestly, even the opposite direction, may not always match our actions. So let's think about this for a moment. Have you ever seen a toddler fight with another toddler? Or even like a, just a young person in general fight? And someone says something hurtful and you're like, oh, you need to say you're sorry. We do this, right? We're like, oh, you need to go say you're sorry. But I'm not sorry. But you need to say you're sorry. And then they go, sorry, you know? So did their attitude match their action? No, they weren't really sorry. They didn't have sorry in their heart. <laughs> it was just the word that came out of their mouth. Attitude not matching action. The point is, this attitude not matching action can go either way, right? But as I was putting this sermon together, this do not murder, I was like, this commandment is going to be a breeze. This is the biggest duh commandment that was given, right? Do not murder? We can all handle that, right? But somewhere between uh, Mount Sinai, where this commandment was delivered, and the Sermon on the Mount, where we heard the gospel for today from Jesus, it got a little bit different, so let's read that. Oh, wait. First, let me address that word, murder. 
before we read again, because I don't want us to get hung up there. Because I'm sure if you've seen this written somewhere else, you've also heard thou shall not kill. We are focusing on thou shall not murder because they are actually two distinct words. There are two distinct words in Hebrew. They mean two different things. In English, they mean two different things, and we will treat them as such in this room. Killing is like kill anything for any reason. Murder is specifically killing another with like immorality, like an immoral killing from a place of anger. Okay? So, there are two distinct things, and now that that's out of the way, let's read some scripture. So, we hear from Jesus today in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, this is Jesus says, But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Okay. Anybody else have a moment where you're like, well, this just went from super easy to absolutely impossible? Like, do not murder. It's like, okay. Well, I'm not going to physically go out and kill somebody today. But anger, if you hold anger in your heart for a brother or sister... Oof, that's what Jesus says is judgeable. So it went from easy to is it even possible? Because Jesus said it's not only your action, but your attitude that will be judged. He says murder is not just a matter of physical. Murder is a matter of the heart. Human courts don't try people for inner anger, Right? happily. But the angry person is still subject to God's judgment. Simply refraining from homicide is not enough. When we harbor hatred in our hearts for another, we have committed the sin of murder in God's eyes. It doesn't have to be physical because God sees our hearts. To God, murder isn't just the act of killing another. It's the condition of your heart towards another. Because the Lord deals with attitudes as well as actions. Can you imagine if we were judged in human courts on our thoughts, on the state of our heart, on our attitude, on our feelings? Imagine this. You're standing in a courtroom, jury of 12 of your peers, ready to listen to your case. You're not the court reporter. You're not a member of the audience. You're not the judge. You're not the bailiff. You are on trial for murder. Before you can even plead your case, a hush comes over the crowd. The judge bangs his gavel and says, has the jury reached a verdict? The jury says they have. So the judge unveils this piece of paper and he announces, on the count of first-degree murder, we find the defendant guilty as charged. The crowd murmurs, as you are led away to prison, your sentence, death. But you didn't physically kill anyone. 
I'm innocent, you yell. Yell, I'm innocent as you are dragged away and the judge holds you in contempt and says, your hands may be clean, but your heart is a different matter. Hmm. Your hands may be clean, but your heart is a different matter. Because if we were to be put on trial by God, who sees the truth in our hearts, we would all be found guilty. Because we have all sinned and fallen short. We would all be sentenced to death. Because murder is a matter of the heart. Aren't we lucky? Aren't we fortunate? Aren't we glad that instead of that scenario, we have a God who is judge, but also is merciful, also full of grace. He's a God of justice. He's a God of mercy. And in his great mercy, Jesus came to be judged guilty in our place. To take our sin, to take our anger, to take our attitudes and our thoughts and our feelings and all of that sin and brokenness of the world on himself, on the cross for us so that he is judged guilty and not us. So that we can stand before God and be judged innocent because of what he did. Because he goes before us. So what do we do with, what do we do with this? Like, how do we possibly not have anger in our hearts so that we're not committing murder? How do we do this? How do we honor God in keeping this commandment? Well, let's read what it says further in Matthew. So if we read further down in Matthew, it says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there you remember your brother or sister has something against you, Leave your gift in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with, the, with your adversary. So if there's anything that you need to confess, anything that you need to hand over to God and you remember that there is some anger that someone has towards you, you need to go reconcile. You need to try to do whatever it is as far as you can as far as it is up to you to make it right. How do we honor God in this? It starts with confession. We need to confess that we have sinned in thought, in word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. And then go and sin no more. We honor God by not harming our neighbor Harming our neighbor looks like, well, physical murder. Uh, doing or saying something that may injure someone or endanger them. Keeping anger or hatred in our hearts against our neighbor. So we honor God by not doing those things to our neighbor. We honor God by looking after the physical well-being of our neighbor. We do this by coming to their aid, by speaking in ways that defends them and speaks goodness and life by treating our neighbor with kindness and compassion. But that's all easier said than done sometimes, right? Because we live in a broken world. 
anger is usually a symptom of some other brokenness or hurt or sadness or grief or shame or guilt or something else that is going on in your life. Anger is a symptom. Brokenness still exists, so this is hard. I'll give you an example. Today, uh, I was at a restaurant with my son, and um, we were having a great conversation. You know, we were in a restaurant that was having clearly a little bit of a tough time. They only had, it was like lunchtime, and there was maybe six people working. And this isn't like a drive through restaurant. This is a sit-down place. And they were all busting their butts visibly that I could see. Did it take longer to sit down? Yep, it did. Did it take longer to get food? Yep, it sure did. But you know what? They were nice. The food was good. I had nothing bad to say. I had got to have a great conversation with my son. But as we were sitting there, somebody else was not having as good of a day. Somebody else was waiting for an order that they were going to take out. And instead of speaking life into the situation or being patient, they got really angry. And everybody in the restaurant knew they were angry because they started yelling for the manager. And then when they didn't get to talk to the manager, they wanted to know the name of the person. And then when they didn't get the name of the person, they were angrier still. And there was a back and forth. Anger that was in her heart came out of her mouth and spoke death into the situation. You could tell that people in, even after she left, you could tell that the staff was visibly still upset. They were talking to each other about not being talked to like that, like people like consoling the person who was yelled at. Like there was a definite difference in the staff's attitude and posture and their, ad, their heart position after that, that customer left. I can only imagine what was going on in that customer's heart. What was she holding in there that caused her to speak into that situation like that? We all have anger creep in every once in a while. So what do we do? We pause. We pause and we pray. Because sometimes that anger cannot be handled on our own. Because Jesus went to the cross, and because of his death, resurrection, and ascension, we get to live by the power of the Holy Spirit living within us. We don't have to speak death into a situation. If we pause and we pray, we get to experience that Jesus not only saves us from our sin and judgment for eternity, but he can also save us for a life of holiness here today. He changes the attitudes of our hearts. He changes the actions that come from those attitudes if we let him. He does this by the power of the Holy Spirit. God's forgiveness allows us to forgive. There is plenty of hurt to go around. What if instead we chose to let God's love lead the way? What if we chose to pause and pray before letting the anger in our hearts come out of our mouths? What if we chose to seek out ways to love and serve one another? What if instead of speaking hurtful words to people, 
when there's anger in our hearts, we paused and prayed and let God's love and peace transform our hearts and minds so that we speak life, so that we speak love, so that we speak light and encouragement into those around us and then spread it into the rest of the world. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this day and I thank you for every opportunity that I get to speak life into a situation, be it in a restaurant, in my home, in this church, in a car. Lord, thank you for all those opportunities to turn to you. Thank you for the work that Jesus did on the cross. Jesus, we thank you. Help us not to have anger in our hearts for our neighbor. Help us to love and serve as you did and you do. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.